Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, good to see you all. Uh, please have your Bibles open at those two passages. We'll be uh, looking at them both in turn. Uh, let's pray, shall we, as we start. Loving Father, we do thank you so much for your words. Uh, as we thought about last week, about how you speak to us through it, I just pray that you'd be with us now as we think about baptism and the significance uh, that you'd encourage us, challenge us, uh, be at work in us, we pray. Amen. I have a really vivid memory of a baptism uh, as I was growing up in the church where I grew up. Uh, it was when the pastor baptised his youngest son, sort of a teenager at the time, and uh, his other children were already believers, already being baptised. He was kind of, this was his youngest son, last one in the family to be baptised. And as they were in the water and it was basically he broke down he couldn't quite get the words out. he was trying to say I baptize you in the name of the father and son and that something he just wept <laughs> uh, and uh, I was kind of a bit confused to be honest at the time I was like why, why is he why is he crying like that probably understood probably understand it a bit better now uh, but it was clearly a really significant moment for his son for the family uh, and we're kind of thinking about baptism so why is such a significant moment in people's lives uh, that's what we're going to be doing we're we're spending just a few weeks thinking about some of the key ministries in church life. Uh, last week we thought about preaching in particular, how it's so good it is to, to, to come together, to listen uh, to God speak through his words. Um, just as an aside, there was a little survey last week. If you filled that out, thank you. It's really encouraging and it's really constructive. So thank you for, for doing that. Uh, but of course the hope is that as we preach, uh, that people will hear the good news of the gospel and will come to Christ, come to faith. Uh, and as that happens, they are baptised. So it seems like a logical next step to go move from preaching to baptism, and then we'll, next week we're thinking about the Lord's Supper and why we do that on a regular basis. Uh, so we're going to be looking at the two passages we've had read, uh, and we're going to just answer three simple questions. What is baptism? When does it happen? And why is it important? So that's kind of the three questions we're going to be thinking about. Now, before I start, it's probably worth uh, acknowledging and recognising, isn't it, that actually... As a church family, we may have differing traditions and differing understandings, maybe differing convictions uh, on baptism and quite how it works. Uh, particularly, uh, uh, there's obviously those that, that have been baptized as infants. Uh, I'm going to be preaching on what I see as the best kind of uh, understanding of scripture, which is often coined uh, believer's baptism. Uh, but just wanted to be clear that there can be gospel unity uh, in KCC, uh, even if we have slightly differing views on baptism, but I thought it was important to kind of just uh, explain clearly what the church's position is. So that's kind of what I'm going to be doing uh, today. So let's, let's dive in. We're first going to be thinking about what is baptism and when does it happen? What is baptism? When does it happen? We're going to look at the first passage from Acts to kind of try and answer those things. So do turn back to Acts chapter 8 uh, so you can read, look at the story again and just see, uh, yeah, see what happens with the Ethiopian eunuch. So that's Acts chapter 8. It's an amazing story, isn't it? And I, I wonder if it's quite, it's an amazing story in one sense, but it's also quite a relatable story because the heart of the story is just two people sitting, talking, and looking at the Bible together. Uh, and that's something hopefully we may have done with each other as well. So it's not, a, it's not an unusual thing, but, it, but it's quite an, a, an amazing kind of uh, how it comes about. Uh, God uh, leading is really good, isn't it? Um, we get Philip who's a very faithful Christian, someone who'd been chosen already to, to serve the church and, and look after the widows who were being missed out. Uh, and he was a passionate evangelist. If you look 
uh, back through Acts, you see he, he was there preaching the gospel, doing amazing things through the power of the Spirit. And God leads him out to this desert road. And we think, well, what? There's, no, there's no one out there. Why would, you, why would you go out there? Surely you need to go to a town or a city. But of course, he's led to this chariot with this important official, this Ethiopian eunuch in charge of the treasury. So very uh, high up in, in the government there. And someone who was obviously at least interested in the Jewish faith. I don't know whether he would have described himself as you know, a follower of, of the Jewish faith. But he traveled a long way to worship in the temple in Jerusalem. A long way from Ethiopia. Uh, and as he's traveling home, he's got the scriptures. He's even got his own copy. That was very rare in those days. And he's reading uh, the scriptures aloud. And so Philip can hear as he gets closer. Oh, what, what, what's being read out? And he asked that question. It's a wonderful question, isn't it? He asked, I'm sure we can all empathize with it. Do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand it? Some of the Bible is, is rich, isn't it? It's complex. It, it's deep. Sometimes there are passages which our heads make our heads scratch somewhat. We have to, to dig deep and, uh, and look carefully and pray about understanding them. Uh, and this man, this Ethiopian eunuch, is, is really hungry for the explanation, isn't he? He invites Philip into the chariot to, to hear more about it. Uh, and look at the passage. The passage is just perfect. Uh, in verse 32, the passage of the scripture the eunuch was reading, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Now clearly God's been at work here, isn't it? Very clearly at work in this moment. Uh, and leading to the, the eunuch to read this passage that's very clearly talking about Jesus, pointing about this prophecy, point, talking about the Messiah. And so it would have been very natural, wouldn't it, for Philip to have started with that passage and unpack the gospel, explain the gospel to this man. It would have been, well, we, we don't know exactly what he said, but it would have been something along the lines of, of this, I would have thought, that as God's people, we've been waiting for the Messiah to come. And he has, he has come. His name is Jesus. He was perfect and he taught us the truth like we'd never heard before and he did these amazing miracles. He healed people. He freed people from demons. He raised people from the dead. But the chief priests and the Pharisees, they arrested him and they put him on trial despite his innocence. They did not like what he was saying. Uh, and during that trial, he never said a word in his defense. Not a word. He was, like it says in this passage, he was like a lamb before his ears was silent. He, he never said a word in his defense. And he was beaten and he was crucified and he was buried. Just like it said in Isaiah that, that his life was cut off from the earth. There's no descendants. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. But the amazing thing is he didn't stay dead. He rose again after three days. He, he is the Messiah. He is the Lord. And he gave us this amazing message to share that actually if you repent... If you turn away from your sin and if you're baptized, uh, if you commit to following Jesus, you'll be saved, you'll be forgiven. And God will send his spirit to live in you and help you change and grow and, and live for him. I'm sure it was a lot more than that, but that's just something like that, wouldn't it? Be just unpacking the gospel, explaining to this man all that had happened, the wonderful news of Jesus. Uh, and clearly the eunuch's heart was opened. And he, had, he put his trust in Christ, put his trust in Jesus at that moment. And we see what happens next, don't we? Verse 36. 
as they travel along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? He gave the orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. So straight away, do you see? They, he's become a Christian, they're traveling along, they see some water, whether it's a river or a pool of some sort, we don't know. But water, it's like, this is it, I can be baptized. And sure enough, Philip baptizes the man, and the eunuch goes on his way rejoicing as Philip is kind of whisked away to his next uh, evangelistic opportunity, which is wonderful. Uh, but th- this gives us just a little uh, a kind of clear understanding, hopefully, of what, what's going on when we talk about baptism. When we think about what bapti- in terms of what baptism is, it's quite simple, really. It's, uh, the word in Greek means to dip, to plunge, to immerse. Uh, there's a picture of someone being baptized. I don't know if you notice who that is. That is a 16-year-old me being baptized. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I think I was grimacing slightly as I went under the water. But uh, <laughs> uh, it's this kind of physical, this physical uh, symbol it's a, a, of obedience to Christ. You're immersed in water, plunged down and lifted back up. And it's a sign of declaring your belief and your trust in the Lord Jesus. We're going to think more about the, exactly what baptism is, what it means more in a minute. But I guess what you see here is partly why we use so much water here at KCC. Uh, The sense of the word talks about immersing, dipping, plunging someone in. And that seems to be what was going on in the New Testament. Uh, That's why we use lots of of water when we baptize people. I know other traditions may sort of sprinkle or or kind of uh, put a sort of symbol of water on. But I actually think actually full immersion seems to be the kind of the the, the biblical way, how it was done at that time. And uh, I was going to put this up, I forgot, but if you Google kind of uh, ancient baptistries, uh, you see these amazing kind of dugout pits, and uh, there's one, there were several actually, in the shape of a cross. So people were literally baptized in a cross-shaped pool, uh, kind of declaring their, their faith before Jesus. So it's worth, worth Googling later if, uh, if you've got the time. But uh, uh, this passage also gives us some indication of the answer to the question to, to when. When does baptism happen? Uh, and the answer really is it kind of comes as soon as someone becomes a Christian. That seems to be the connection all the way through Acts is that, that as someone turns to Jesus, they're baptized. Uh, we see it in uh, Peter's sermon. We read it last week. A um, couple of verses for you from that. Acts 2.38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. It's connected to see, repent, turn to Jesus, and be baptized. It's, it's kind of the logical next step as soon as it happens. And sure enough, a couple of verses later, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Straight away. Can you imagine that? 3,000 baptisms. That would have taken a long time to kind of uh, to go through that process. I'm, I don't know how many lines they would have had, uh, but it's amazing that, that they were baptized that day, 3,000 kind of join the church uh, at once. Now, it's a bit tricky in this country always to do it straight away because it's not always the best weather to pop down to the river and, uh, and go, for a, go for a dip. Uh, but we kind of do it as soon as we can after someone becomes a Christian. We, we, as soon as it's practically possible, uh, we, we like to have a special service and it's a moment of celebration. It's a moment of rejoicing uh, at this, this significant moment in people's lives. Um, 
But, but I guess this also indicates why it's our practice not to baptize infants uh, in our church. There does seem in the New Testament to be this clear connection between believing and being baptized. That's always kind of the, the, the kind of pattern that's going on. Belief leads to baptism. Uh, it's a sign of that faith. It's a sign of that belief. And so an infant is not able to, to declare their kind of faith in Jesus at that stage. So that's why we, we don't do that. So that's a little bit, just what is baptism? When do we do it? I thought it might be good just to pause for a second and have just a, a quick discussion. Because I, I was putting myself in the eunuch's shoes and thinking, surely those verses from Isaiah would have been so precious to him moving forward. Those are the verses when I first discovered Jesus, first realized what Jesus had did for me. And it got me thinking, I wonder if that's true for us. I wonder if there are any verses in particular uh, that kind of helps you understand the gospel, helps you understand Jesus' love for you. So I just thought, let's pause for a couple of minutes and speak to the p- people around you. Uh, and if you've got, if there's any passion in particular that comes to mind that you thought, that was the one that really opened my eyes, that showed me who Jesus was, showed me what he means to me, then why not share it with your neighbor and encourage each other? If you don't have one, if you're not a believer, there's no pressure. Just have a chat with your person next to you. Just say hi. But let's try and encourage each other, shall we? Let's do that. Right, let's come back together, shall we? I hope that was encouraging. <laughs> I hope that was encouraging just to sort of re- re- remind ourselves <laughs> of how God works through his word and uh, opens our hearts to, to see something of, of who he is. It's wonderful, isn't it? 
hopefully, if you came to faith through that, then you were baptized. But it's worth pointing out, actually, if there is anyone here who is trusting in Jesus, who has not made that step of baptism, then, then please come and speak to me afterwards. It's a kind of logical step. You become a Christian, you, you, you are baptized. It's what we see Jesus commanding in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So as we make disciples, as you become a disciple of Jesus, you're baptized. So if that's you, then yeah, come and speak to me after. I'd love to talk more about that. So we've seen in some sense baptism is important. But I guess the question is why? Why is it so significant? Why is it so important? Why should we be baptized other than the fact that Jesus kind of tells us to do it? Well, that's what we're going to think about in the sort of second half of the sermon. Why is it important? Why is it important? I'll try to sum it up a bit like this. It represents the death of our old life and the start of our new life with Jesus. We're going to turn to Romans 6 now to see kind of how that works out and how that's explained there. So do to flip over to Romans chapter 6. Uh, just a quick context for Romans 6. Paul's basically just spent about five chapters explaining the wonders of the gospel, unpacking just what it means to put a trust in Jesus and to be saved by grace alone. Through Jesus alone, it's not about what we do, it's about what he has done, not anything to do with our own efforts. And as we get to chapter 6, Paul is kind of anticipating this question. Well, if that's the case, if we're saved by grace, then surely we can just keep on sinning, can't we? We can do whatever we like. We can sin as much as we want, and then God's grace will just be more and more, and it'll be fine. We'll see what happens. We'll see what Paul says in verse 1 and 2. What should we say then? Should we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. Very quickly, no means. He's a big, no way, absolutely not. Must not have that sort of attitude. And his reason why it kind of unpacks the significance of baptism for us. Let's look again at these verses. They're quite um, rich. It's worth looking at them again. Verse, verse 2. By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live, it in, live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. He says, we have died to sin. What does that mean? Well, it's kind of what the picture of baptism shows us, explains to us. We are baptized into Christ Jesus, it says. Now, that idea of being in Christ is all the way through the New Testament. It comes up again and again. It talks about kind of being united with Jesus. It's that kind of closeness of relationship. It's the fact that we, we are saved, we are loved, because we're united with Jesus. If you're not quite sure, that, that language sounds a bit strange, then uh, Galatians 3.27 puts it like this. All of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. That's maybe a bit more of a visual image, isn't it? We've clothed ourselves with Jesus. We've, we've put Jesus on in a strange sense. We've, we've received his, his righteousness, his perfection, and we're united with him. But part of that unity, what does that actually mean? It means we're baptized in Christ. Which says, verse 3 says, we're baptized into his death, we're buried with him, and then we're raised with him. And that kind of really is what's going on when we baptize someone. It unpacks that kind of symbol. So as someone goes down into the water, it's as if we are dying with Jesus, dying to our old life. 
as we go under the water, it's not normally that deep, as we go under the water, it's as if we are buried with him, buried uh, underneath. And then, fortunately, as we come up out of the water, it always happens, we do come back up, it's as we're rising with him, rising with him, resurrection power, rising to new life. And that's kind of the, what's going on, that's the, the picture that we're, we're enacting, what, what it means, uh, the, the symbolism behind baptism. It's often uh, described in scripture as a kind of cleansing, as a washing. And that makes sense, doesn't it? We think about what Jesus faced on the cross, facing God's anger, facing God's wrath for, his, for, for the sin of his people. And in some sense, as we are baptized, we're recognizing that's what we deserve. As we go into the water, we deserve, actually, we deserve to die. The, if you look on in chapter 6, verse 6, chapter 6, verse 23 says, for the wages of sin is death. And that's right, isn't it? If sin, if it applied to us, we deserve to, to die. But the, the verse doesn't stop there. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And as we rise up out of the water, it's like saying we're no longer our own. We're in Jesus. We belong to him. We belong with him. He is our Lord and Savior. He has paid the price for our sin. We are washed clean. We are resurrected. We're given new life. We're given eternal life. That's why baptism is so special, so significant, so important. It represents that death of our old life and the start of our new life with Jesus. New identity, really. It's saying, actually, your life is no longer really about you. It's about Jesus and living for him. And that's amazing, isn't it? We've considered the, the sacrifice Jesus made on our behalf. And we're recognizing we're sort of sacrificing own lives to live for him in response choosing to reject our sin choosing to, to reject that old way old way of life to not carry on as we were and that's why we are baptized we're baptized once it's a one-time thing it's kind of marking the start of that walk with jesus and he kind of goes on to unpack what that means in verses five to seven look at verse five if we've been united with him in a death like his we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. This is an amazing verse. saying you, you're risen with Jesus, which means you're set free from sin. Your old way of life is dead. It's been crucified. It's really violent language. It's, like it's, it's crucified with Jesus. It's no longer there for you. It's gone. It's done. It's dealt with. It's done away with. Which means we don't have to live in that way anymore. It says we're no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer trapped in kind of always following sin's desires. Verse 7, we're set free from sin. That means... We're kind of set free to fight, basically. We're set free to fight. It doesn't mean we're going to be perfect in this life. Look at 1 John, just for one example there. It talks about, you know, we, we, we're going to keep struggling with sin until Jesus returns. But it's not inevitable. That's what this means. It's no longer inevitable that we're going to be s struggling and, and giving in to sin like that because we've been set free thanks to Jesus. We don't have to go along with it anymore. We, we put us into death. And that, that helps us, doesn't it? Remember, we, we see what Jesus did. 
in giving up his life for us. And so we say, actually, I can do that myself. I can give up my old life. I can, he has saved me from that doomed way of life, so I'm going to live for him, commit my life to him. Well, maybe that does help us start to understand the perspective of my old pastor as he baptized his youngest son and just overwhelmed by that, all, all this meant for his child. What it meant for his family, it was just this, this joy that overwhelmed him in that moment because he knew his children were trusting in Jesus and they had new life in Jesus and he was overjoyed. It's wonderful. That was, we should remember that every time we, we baptize people and celebrate and rejoice. Now, I was actually at a Catholic service recently and the priest explained that actually it's basically said that it's baptism is what saves people. Uh, and it's kind of like by the actual act of being baptized, uh, you're forgiven of your sin. It doesn't really matter if you've got any faith. You've just got to do it, and that's kind of, that's kind of it. Well, there's not a lot of time to, d- to debate that right now, but it's just to say that's not what the Bible teaches. We are saved by faith alone, through Christ alone. It's not about what we do. So when we're baptized, it's not kind of adding to our salvation in any sense. It's a response to it's just obeying Jesus and showing that we've got that new life already. It's not the thing that saves us. So it's just trying to helpfully maybe clarify that that's what's going on with baptism. It is a symbol rather than something that is the thing that saves us. Because Jesus is the one who saves us, putting our trust in him. But that's not to say it's insignificant because it's so special, isn't it? So uh, it's really significant as a marker of someone's new life in Jesus. It's that first sign of obedience to all that he has commanded. And so hopefully, as we do it in the years ahead, as people come and be baptized, it's a reminder, it's a blessing to us. It should encourage us in our faith to go, oh yeah, that's what this means. We've died to our old way of life. We, we, it's gone and we have new life in Jesus. It should encourage us to be sort of reliving that, the, the gospel picture as we do that. Well, I hope that's encouraging. Before we close, just a couple of very quick applications for us today. First one is this. Repent and be baptized. Uh, we saw it there in Peter's sermon, didn't we? But that's, that's the message. Maybe you're sitting here today and you've never really responded to Jesus. You've never put your trust in him. Maybe you've just never been interested. Never thought it was relevant for you. Or actually you've just always found your identity in something else. Well, maybe you need to think today. Oh, well, is what I put my identity in, is it going to last? Is it going to, to, to give me all that I, I need? Is it going it, it to give me the answers I'm looking for? Because actually, if, it, if you're not trusting in Jesus, everything will let us down. Nothing can, nothing can work in that way. You need to come to Jesus. But maybe you, you've been sitting here today and thinking, oh, I'm fine because I've been baptized. And you've never made that connection between being baptized and putting your faith and that the heart kind of the, 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 the heart need the need for our hearts to put our trust in Jesus. Maybe that's that's where you're at, and maybe you've realized today, oh, I need to put my trust in Jesus. I need to to to, to come to him. Because you've seen how desperate that need is. Uh, uh, we deserve death because of our sin. Our only hope is to come to Jesus, to come to him to save us to forgive us, to cleanse us from all our wrongdoing. So friends, if either of those applies to you, then today is a good day to turn to Jesus, to put your faith in him, to turn away from that old way of life and say, 
I'm sorry, Jesus. Please forgive me. Please help me live for you, trust you, day by day. I'd love to pray with you afterwards if, if you're in that position. Come and find me. Well, for those of us who do know that kind of incredible blessing of Jesus, of that relationship, for those of us who have been baptised, what's the kind of application here? We've already been baptised. What do we need to know this for? Well, it helps us remember, doesn't it, the call to live out our new lives. Uh, we see that in, in this uh, passage in Romans. Remember what our new lives cost the Lord Jesus. He laid down his life to save us. So we, we, we shouldn't treat it cheaply. We shouldn't take it lightly. We should live for him every day, every moment, because of what he's done for us. We should always be giving thanks for what baptism symbolizes for us. But we've seen recently, and we've thought about this in Revelation, how easy it is for us to, to slip into complacency, slip into maybe tolerating sinful behavior that, that we may not have done before. That question that, that really hit me, but it was challenging for all of us perhaps, that kind of, what do we tolerate now that we wouldn't have tolerated five years ago? We struggle with sin and sometimes it can creep in and we just let it kind of sit there and we don't fight it, we don't deal with it. Well, baptism is that reminder for us, a calling for us to go, no, my identity is in Jesus. My old way of life is dead, it's gone. I don't have to give in anymore. I can fight this in the power of the Spirit. I, can, I don't have to do it anymore. We have the strength in him. We need to f seek that and pray for that and encourage each other in that. So let me encourage you to maybe, yeah, just to, 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 to think about what it means to live out your new life in Jesus. If there's an area in particular that you're struggling with, bring that to the Lord. Find a friend you can talk about that with uh, and put your sin to death because you have new life in Jesus. We'll do a bit more thinking about that in our home groups this week, but I hope it's been encouraging to just think about baptism for a few minutes, to, to, to remember that, that what a glorious thing it is as a sign of new life. Shall we pray uh, and give thanks? Father God, thank you for uh, giving us this, this wonderful command to baptize people, Thank you for how it shows what it means to, to, to know you and trust you and have new life. Lord, would you help us to live that out day by day? Help us to, to not treat our sin lightly and to, to, to fight our sin in your strength, not our own. And Lord, I do pray if there's anyone here today who has not made that step of repentance and baptism, that you would be at work in their hearts, maybe convicting them, helping them see their need for you and help them come to you today we pray in Jesus name Amen